Welcome, welcome. You're listening to our podcast, Two Massage Therapists in a Microphone. My name is Mark. I'm a registered massage therapist, registered kinesiologist here in Toronto, Ontario, Canada, hanging out in the office. Uh, got a cool guest sitting on the couch. People are starting to sit on the couch now. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of liking this. Well, we made such a big fucking deal about nobody sitting on the couch. So. You swear way more than I do, by the way. Okay, that's enough. Straight let's, out of the let's gates? Just take fuck, a- fuck, fuck, fuck. I feel more comfortable after you guys have said fuck seven times. And this couch is amazing. There you right. go. So I, as soon as I walked in here, I sat here. I'm like, this is like my place. I'm at easy here. Right, right. Hey, everyone. It's Amanda. And um, sorry about all of that. I did swear for sure. But Mark and I have had an ongoing debate for probably a month about which one of us swears more. You do. I truly believe it's him. But you guys only hear us recording. Maybe I just, I speak more freely when I'm recording because otherwise I'm with the kids. And when I'm with the kids, I'm not swearing. So when I'm recording, maybe I let it fly. But Mark, every single thing that pisses him off in a day is fuck, fuck, fuck. And there's, I've realized there's a lot of I've things gotten, that piss you off I've in a gotten day. so lazy though, because I swear, but I'm lazy. Like, it's not even for fuck's sakes anymore. It's for fuck. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah I do that too. Multiple times there. a day. Anyway, so if anyone is actually listening to this nonsense, um, Let's let's take a poll. Which one of us actually swears more, Amanda or Mark? I'd be really interested to hear what you guys have to say. Anyway, let's talk about the guest. We have Andre here, who's also a massage therapist. <laughs> and him and I he met, I'm going to go with, I'm going to say it was probably about 2012, 2013 timeline. that long ago? It was, wow. because I haven't worked at that place full time since uh, 2004. 15 maybe and I was I was pretty new there but we met back then because I learned that he did Thai massage and I had never had a Thai massage and I was curious so he gave me my very very first Thai massage and I remember going home and saying to Mark I'd have no idea what that guy just did but I was up in the air and his feet Mm. were in my back so we brought him in today to talk about some of the cool stuff he's done. He does Thai massage. He does another type of massage that I've never even heard of and don't know how to say, so I'm going to let him talk about that. But before we do, why don't you introduce yourself, tell everybody who you are, what you do? Well, uh, like you already stated, I'm a massage therapist as well. Uh, Andre DiCairo's the name. I've been practicing now for 15 years, and it hurts me to say that because it ages me. Come on. Uh, oh, I do not look I do not look my age, but as soon as I tell people how long I've been practicing, they start doing the math. Like, wait a minute, how, when did you start? When you were like 12? I'm like, yeah, let's <laughs> let's go with that. Um, but I do Swedish massage. I mean, all registered therapists do. How I, old are you? <laughs> just getting it aired out, huh? Yeah, why not? 36. I don't even remember 36. That's how old this is. Oh, you guys look good. That's great, man. That's oh, I'm I'm younger than you are, but he's okay. an old man. Oh, <laughs> doing something right. I guess we're both doing something right. Yeah. Most yeah. people peg me in at like 25. I'm like, yeah, yeah, we'll go with that. Yeah, we'll sure. go with that. 25, I'll take it. Actually, my client yesterday thought that you were around 35, 36. Who thought so? Uh, somebody I treated yesterday thought oh, you were around 35, yeah. 36. So you're doing great, sir. Yes, I have to buy him a gift. <laughs> <laughs> so you, you've been a therapist for 15 years, Swedish massage, and how long have you been doing Thai? Thai massage I've been doing since 2010. So okay. what is that? Nine years. Oh, nine years already. Wow. Yeah. Uh, I also do shiatsu 
And the therapy you were referring to earlier is called Chi Ne Song. Say that slowly. Chi, C-H-I, Chi, like energy, Chi, yeah. Ne Song. And that is also That's all, Thai? It's, uh, it comes, it's a branch of Taoism. So Taoism mm. is the, underneath the umbrella of Taoism is Chinese medicine, which includes like acupuncture, cupping, moxibustion, uh, all that kind of stuff. Also comes Kung Fu, Qi Gong, and Tai Chi. Yep. Okay. And Chi Ne Song falls into one of their elements of treatment as well. Okay. So I, I also do Tai Chi and Qi Gong and... Uh, and Kung Fu with the Shaolin monk. Can you tell everyone what you look like, please? Because they probably think there's a super like Asian dude sitting on our couch right now. I got some Chinese in my blood, so technically I'm Asian. Yeah. Uh, what do I look like? I don't know. How do I describe that? You just got to Google me, I guess. Do you want to? Do you want to? <laughs> well, mirror? what's your you what's mirror? your ethnic <laughs> mix? Oh, so you got boy. some Chinese. What else? How long is the show? How much time do you got? <laughs> <laughs> um, born in Canada, so I'm Canadian. Hmm. Uh, my parents are Guyanese Portuguese. Okay. But if you go back to just my grandparents and great grandparents you're gonna get um porch uh i already said the portuguese element you're also gonna get chinese you're gonna get barbadian you're gonna get some native natives of the caribbean yeah and the latest like caribbean arawak and stuff like that. arawak good guess jeez yeah Yeah, arawak he's also uh chinese trini Mm. a little bit dutch in there okay okay yeah (laughs) Yeah. it's amazing all the mixes man that's what keeps us looking young i guess it is yeah uh i'm pretty sure like what i've learned recently from a trip to portugal and some pictures my grandmother has in her house is that her father uh is most likely part moroccan as well okay um so i cover north america south america asia europe and africa all in my bloodstream so what i look like Um, i don't know what does that mixture look like so for okay let me see if i can if i can figure this out he looks apparently like a 25 year old uh west indian of some sort with a nice tan (laughs) somewhat thugged out how i dress i don't know (laughs) professionalism's out the door when we talk about like as soon as i start speaking about what i do i'm a professional but if you looked at me you probably wouldn't necessarily peg me as one yeah but we talk about that a lot on the show what what do you consider professional? What's your definition of professional? Exactly. If we're talking about what the whole world thinks of professional, we th- I mean, most people right now, they work behind a, a desk and a computer all day, every day. They're in suits and whatnot. So when you dress casually and comfortably, eh, people, I guess, don't necessarily think that's comfortable. I don't fit into the normal parameters of like business casual type stuff. I do sometimes when the occasion fits, but I like to be comfortable. Mm-hmm. I don't even understand business casual, especially for dudes that sit in a cubicle and interact with nobody. Why the fuck do you got to be in dress pants, dress shoes, and a fucking shirt? You're exactly. seeing nobody. You're seeing yep. your other co-workers. Yep. You should be able to be in your fucking PJs. Agree, 100%. What do I know? 100%. You also have like sort of a... I don't know, like a need to defy authority or rebel. No, no I no. I met Mark working I break in an rules environment. When rules don't make sense. I rules know. are guidelines for stupid people who don't know what to do. <laughs> That's what rules are. Well, rules I met I man. met him working in an environment where the dress code was business casual, and he straight up said to the VP, "This makes no sense to me. Based on my role in this company, it's it's stupid." And I'm not going to do it. And I guess they thought he was kind of kidding. And then he, I, I think somebody said like, you know, well, are you threatening us or something? He said, not at all. If you want somebody who dresses business casual, find somebody who dresses business casual. Yeah. I will not do it. And he worked there for eight years and they well, I put mean, up one with of the first the days that I was there in business casual, I probably had on like a $300 Hugo Boss shirt and some fucking kid in the class. I say kid. It was probably like a 40 year old man at the time <laughs> with greasy fucking hands. It's like grabs no. my arm. It's like, here, oh. can, can you show me this? I'm like, come on. Oh 
Come on. And you know what? This is why I don't wear my nicest clothes when I'm going and doing massages and dealing with oil. I mean, in all honesty, right now where I am in my career, I don't use oil very much. Yeah. But I use it when it's needed. And if I'm wearing something nice and I get oil on it, I'm not going to be very happy about yep. it. So, no. yeah, wearing my nicest clothes, no thank you. Well, I, I think and that And just for the record, I didn't us. buy that shirt. That's not my thing. I that was a know. gift. I, I know where that. that shirt came from. Uh, no, I mean, in our profession, I don't think people expect business casual. I guess it depends on the clinic setting you're in. And, you know, we talk a lot about imaging and branding, and it wouldn't fit with our image. We don't do that. Right. I show up every day as I am now, looking like I should actually be in a yoga class. And Mark shows up in his comfortable pants, sometimes flip flops, sometimes steel toe Doc Martens, whatever he's in the mood for, and a rock t-shirt of some sort. Yep. And that's that's what people expect of us. Yep. So I think it's professional because we are we are consistent. You know, mm-hmm. we're exactly what you're expecting when you come and, in. And you are who you are, right? right? When you go when you go and you work in an office, you don't know who people are. They're they're I hate to say it this way, but they're kind of a number. Like everybody has their role. Everybody looks the same. Everybody dresses the same. Mm -hmm. It's unfortunate, but that's the truth. With us, we go out in the world and we are who we are. You can wear whatever you want. You can act however you want. That's, Mm -hmm. this is our job. So. And not only you, you are just a number for the company. You are literally just a number. I mean, like if you die tomorrow, sorry, that company ain't going to be affected. It's just going to roll on like the massive steamroller that it is. What do I know? I said. Sounds like you know a lot, man. Uh, Not much. (laughs) But uh, massage, where'd you go to massage school? Uh, I went to the Canadian College of Massage and Hydrotherapy. Woo, what year, so wait, 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 wait. Then you guys yeah. may have overlapped because aren't you in your fifteenth year? No, I would know you. Two thousand four, I graduated. Two thousand four. I started May two thousand four. I, I finished two thousand five. Oh, we so did overlap. You, uh, I gra- You started in May. That's when I graduated. Two thousand four. I think it was May or June. Gotcha. Probably so you would have probably just been coming in as I was going out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So what made you decide? See, what were you doing before massage? I was in high school before massage. You went straight from high school. Straight from high school. What made you say I'm going to do massage? from high school whoa, whoa, whoa where'd you go to high school mary ward okay yeah you guys br- brought me back out to the hood man i love it i, haven't yeah. been out I didn't know you were from scarborough like I said, we literally met like twice i treated him once he treated me once never seen him again and i randomly thought of you for the podcast because i want to talk about thai massage i, I gotta make the distinction technically i'm from north york okay, i'm right on that okay, other side okay. of the border but i went to school in scarborough yeah. okay so yeah gotta make the distinction you know so what made you decide from uh high school massage therapy in all honesty when i got out of high school i had no idea what I wanted to do. Uh, in high school, to give you a little bit of background, because that kind of plays into what made me take this next step, uh, I played soccer. I played internationally. I played at a very high level. Mm. Uh, I played for a couple coaches who played in the World Cup, uh, and we pretty much won everything we played in Canada, in USA. All the tournaments we competed in, we pretty much won them all. So our coaches said, if you guys want to get better and better, you're going to have to start traveling and playing internationally. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I played in Chile, I played in Uruguay, I played in Italy, I played in a couple other countries, not so important. But when you're playing at that level, you deal with your fair share of injuries. Yep. Um, I had one pretty devastating injury when, uh, it was right before a tournament. And that tournament was, I think, three weeks from that date. And it was a contusion. Somebody need me in my quad with everything they had. Mm. And I tried to get up three times and I collapsed because I'm not the type of dude that stays down. I get up, I keep going. I couldn't even put any weight whatsoever on it. Uh, I went to therapy. The physiotherapist tested me and then sent me to a massage therapist. That massage therapist it amazed me as... I mean, you're very kind of influential as a 15, 16, 17-year-old. That therapist, they'd start working on me and be like, oh, it hurts here. They're like, I know. I'm like, what do you mean I know? Like, I can feel it. What do you mean you feel it? What do you feel? Mm. And they'd be like, it hurts right here. And they push up like, ah. 
like, what do you feel? What do you mean? That always fascinated me. It always stuck with me. And after I graduated high school, had no idea what to do. Uh, my mother said, you know, why don't you get into therapy? Wait, wait, wait. Do you remember the name of that therapist? Just out of curiosity. Uh, no, I have no idea okay, who okay. treated me back then. All right, Not sorry, sorry. Okay. I know where the clinic is, but uh, somewhere on uh, Young and Shepherd area. But I, I, I was working at the time. I paid my own money to go to the therapist every, yeah. I think it was twice a week to go there and get therapy so I can get better and play in this tournament. And by the end of three weeks, I went from not being able to walk yeah. to being able to play football. Mm, nice. uh, and that, that made all the difference in the world for me. And so, your mom says this therapy thing? She mentions the therapy thing and I say, okay, let me sit what, on it What made your mom think about it? Like, does she work in healthcare she, at all? One of her closest friends who she worked with at the time, their daughter was going through the program. Oh, okay. So I guess it was fresh in her mind and she just threw it out there and it was such the perfect it was such a perfect fit for me again being around sports and and learning a little bit about rehab and having them help me through my injuries it i, I loved every element of it everything mm-hmm. about it and i thought about it for a while i said you know what i would really enjoy that so there you have it nice how'd you like massage school how'd you like ccmh uh i, I loved it i mean when you're learning we had janet or was janet your a ap teacher what's ap again anatomy, uh, anatomy physiology? physiology i know janet was a teacher of ours at some point but i don't know what she taught mm. don't recall science stuff though i think so yeah we had her on we the had podcast. her on the podcast oh, yeah? she's a nutritionist and she owns a company called rainbow plate they educate right. uh early years on like healthy eating habits mm. i love janet all right yeah such a small community this massage world isn't it your job's kind of cool too because you guys probably have people kind of circling back in people you probably haven't seen in years or forgot about just yeah. pop up as a result of the show yeah it's yeah true. from the, nice. because of this and the continued education stuff yeah right. there's always just uh, we're just surrounded by people all the time it's awesome i dig it so once you got out of massage school what was your first job uh, my first job was at a clinic in markham uh i think i got my first job in december but i finished my Oskis in I think they were probably in like August or something like that mm. okay so I went in for an interview and this girl made me give her a massage of course I gave her a massage she's like wow you're really good thank you she's like um when did you finish school? I said, in August. She's like, well, what have you been doing since then? I'm like, lurking for a job, nothing. She's like, you haven't done a massage since August? I'm like, no. She's like, you should be working, getting your hands on. I'm like, okay, well, hire me and I'll start. <laughs> <laughs> this is a dumb conversation. Just fucking hire me. <laughs> well, she did. She hired me. I started working there. Um, and you know, you know what it's like when you first start out, right? You get a handful of clients thrown at you and you get all your experience in. So it was, it was a good start. Uh, a really good clinic. Jeez, uh, I wish, oh, I do remember her name. But I guess we're not naming names on this. So uh, I'm thankful to her, that lovely lady who gave me my first job. <laughs> I feel like since we're saying something nice about her, you can throw her name out there. Yeah, whatever. It's a podcast. You can do whatever you fuck you want. <laughs> Wherever you are, whatever you're doing, you're amazing. Thank you. So that was your first job was a clinic in Markham. And I know a lot of people when they come out of massage school, they want to work at multiple places to get different experiences. Did you do that or did you kind of stay at one clinic at a time? I stayed at that one clinic. I think I was working three days a week. And uh, I mean, my pl- I usually take things one step at a time. I normally know what I want to do next, but I don't even worry about that next step until I'm there. So as soon as I finished school, I went to Seneca and enrolled in a business course. Um, it was just a part-time, like, I think it was only like one or two days a week, uh, mm-hmm. four-hour classes and it taught you everything about business and uh, pretty much writing a business plan and how to start your own thing. So I did that while working at that clinic three days a week. And then probably within the next year or two, I started doing trade shows and advertising my services on my own. Okay. So then you went off on your own. Uh, I've always, to some capacity, worked with other people. There's something about, 
I don't know. It's interesting for me when I work with somebody else, it's not really a job. When you work for yourself, you got to do all the advertising, all the marketing, you got to do all this mm-hmm. planning, you got to mm-hmm. do all this. There's just so much around running your own business yep. that for me to work for someone else for one or two days a week, it's, it clears my head. It's like, I don't have to worry about anything. I show up, I do my massages and I leave. There is something really beautiful in that. This is the first time, um, last year, June is when I fully came back to work, like decided, okay, I'm going back to work. Kids are old enough now that I can work, work and not be home so much. And this past year has been the first time that I have 100% worked for myself. There's always been, as you said, like another clinic job where it's mindless. You know, I just go in, I do my thing. I don't really have to worry about marketing or booking or billing. Like it just, you know, you go in, you treat, you leave. And uh, I didn't think that I would miss that. Like I thought I really, really wanted to be on my own. But there are some days where I'm like, fuck, (laughs) why do I have to do all the things? I I don't have those days ever anymore. No, you love doing all that's the gone. I'm in love with the process. Really? Yeah. Oh, the process drives me insane. I do not like it. Technology um, doesn't like me, and I don't like it. Mm. So yeah, when you you know when you're doing your little text box and trying to slide something over and it doesn't align, and you're like, I need it to go one millimeter to the left, and you do it, and it goes one inch, and you try and put it back, and it's like I, feel I just spent twenty minutes so trying to move a text box <laughs> to align it, and it still doesn't work. I I, I can't do it. I feel your pain <laughs> so it. much. Like we have three different like social media platform, social media accounts, because we've got the podcast, we've got our continuing education company, Conad Institute. And then we also do still do therapy on a part-time basis. So we've got our therapy page. Well, Mark is super busy with the podcast and with Con Ed. So the therapy page gets so neglected because I am the person that can't get that fucking text box to do what it has to do. And I throw my hands in the air and I'm like, why am I doing something that's going to take me three hours that you could do in 20 minutes? I'm done. Yeah. Technology and I don't get along. I love being self-employed and doing my own things. But when it comes to certain aspects, yeah, I'm... I need to bring somebody else in to do it. I can't do everything. Interestingly enough, um, I don't have a website. I'm not on any social media platform at all. And somehow I still do very well. I have lots of clients. I rely solely on word of mouth. Mm-hmm. Don't get me wrong. I mean, having all that social media would help take me to another level, mm-hmm. but I'm content with where I am if I don't have to go on any social media or design any websites or anything. If I can hire someone else to do that, I probably will within the next year or so, but right now I don't want any parts of it. So I know, as we said, where we met and where I was working at the time, the reason you came in for the treatments because you used to work there. Was that a part-time thing or were you there full-time? I was there part-time. I think every job I've ever had as a massage therapist has been uh, part-time up until probably about four to five. Oh, it would have been like five or six years ago now. Um, For about a three-year span, I worked full-time as a massage therapist. And now I'm at a point where for the last about four years, I've been working as a massage therapist part-time and as a personal trainer part-time. Okay. So I also do personal training. In my past life, I did that. What do you enjoy doing more? I love them both. I absolutely love them both. And when I first started doing personal training, I wasn't interested at all. Mm. I was fortunate enough to meet a gentleman who was a personal trainer for two professional hockey teams, the Tampa Bay Lightning and Montreal Canadiens. And he eventually stepped down from that and started working with celebrities and very influential people. When I met him... Uh, you can imagine with the client base that he has, he doesn't really trust too many people as clients. Yep. So I was introduced uh, to him through a friend and they said, you know, you got to bring this guy in. You got to see what he can do. So he brought me in a couple of times. I started treating some of the athletes that came by. And after watching me for a while, he really liked me. He really wanted to get me involved. 
And he saw me do the therapy. He says, you know, you're really good, but you should be training as well. Mm. I said, I'm not interested. He's like, you should really do it. You'd be very good at it. Not interested. Over time, he stopped showing up for clients. He'd, he'd call <laughs> me. He'd be like, listen, I'm on the road. I'm about 20 minutes late. I need you to, uh, okay, bicep curls. Uh, they're with 20 pounds and then 50 pounds with this. And then make him do some lap pills. Make him do some laps. Don't worry. You know what you're doing. All right, bye. <laughs> Client shows up. I'm like, um, all right. Uh, I start training. And before you know it, I was a trainer and I absolutely love it. I'm, I'm very thankful to him for that. Cause Why the hesitation initially? Why were you not interested in training? That's a good question. I'm not sure I have a good answer. I, I guess I was so plugged into therapy and what I was doing and reading and learning. It's just, uh, you know what? Maybe it's because I don't like being in a gym in all honesty. That's a good answer. That's why I don't train anymore. Yeah. Not because I didn't actually enjoy the job. I did, but I don't really like fit that role anymore. I don't live that lifestyle. I work out that had major air quotes because me going to, you know, exercise for like one hour twice a week. No, I don't work out the way I used to work out. So I have no interest in training people. Could I train people? Do I, in theory, know what I'm doing? Sure. No interest anymore. And for me, playing soccer, all of my training, none of it was really in the gym. It was mm. all outside doing plyometrics, running to death and, you know, mm. tactical stuff. We got to a point where we were supposed to start doing some weight training and having trainers. But most of the training that we did was just on the field. So for me, the lifestyle of being in a gym, you know, lift it, put it down, lift it, put it down. All right, go over here, lift it. All right, jump. I just, it wasn't for me. Uh, now that I'm doing it, I love it. I absolutely love it. And I'm still, the gym is not my most favorite thing to do like playing soccer is my most favorite thing to do but being in the gym training those those guys i absolutely love it and now i find myself going to the gym working out and really enjoying it as well so oh. it's grown a lot on me and it's it's becoming more and more addictivism there interesting i've grown out of it completely <laughs> i i've been a personal trainer since i was in early university i was heavily into fitness i got out of i got out of university i was working as a personal trainer and a kid i was writing for like i was way so into fitness i was writing for a fucking fitness magazine Do you know what I mean? I was, and i was just like i'm done yeah. I'm done with it. Now, just the idea of going into a gym, I, I can't do it. It just seems like so much fucking work. I got to bring a bag. I got to pack clothes. I got to, it's just like, it, just the whole process yeah. is what turns me off of it now. It's the, it's because I'm fucking lazy. I'm you lazy don't, and old. You don't use social media, so you may have never seen it, but Adam Sandler did this whole thing with a song called like, when I go out, all I need is my phone, my wallet, and my keys. The song was actually called Phone, Wallet, Keys. <laughs> Google it if you haven't seen it. But, as soon as I heard that song, I'm like, this is you. Because that is what he can... Mark doesn't like anything that's tying him down at all. He wants to walk out the door with just his phone, his wallet, and his keys. And that's it. So yeah, going yeah, to the gym is not appealing. Yeah, I even get stressed if I have to bring a bag to work. I'm like, I don't even want to... Can I leave the laptop at the office? Because I don't want to bring it home and take it back. And it's fucking horrible. I think we're similar in a lot of ways, you know. If you go and look at my car, you're going to see my whole life there because I'm driving up to Muskoka. But just literally the walk from my door to the house to go and get stuff and bring it out and put it in my car and bring more stuff out and I got eight bags and yeah. both hands it drives me insane yeah 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 and here's a guy who plays soccer but to walk from my car to the house it's like no I don't want to do this it's like the Harold and Kumar <laughs> moment when they're down the hall and they're like they forgot something and they turn around and they look like we're too far now we just gotta keep going <laughs> oh my god alright so you always sort of had a part time thing you're doing sweetest massage, you're doing your own thing, you're doing the part-time jobs. When did you decide, I'm just going to go to Thailand and learn Thai massage? So I started to learn a little bit about Thai massage, um, probably about, I'm going to say seven years into my practice. Uh, when I learned everything about it and just how it's all movement-based, I thought it would be a really great treatment for a lot of the people who I was seeing. And I mean, in general, I think 
lack of movement is what causes pain in so many people. Mm-hmm. Again, we live in an age where everyone's sitting at a computer, right? So something movement-based is very important to me. Uh, I started researching it and I went online and I started to Google, where can I learn Thai massage here in Toronto? And I look at places and I see level one, level two, level three, level four, level five. <laughs> and I look at the price tag for each one of them. I'm like, yeah. that adds up. That's, yeah. that's a lot of money. And then in my Google search, I saw something that said Thailand, a school in Thailand. So well, out of curiosity, let me click it and open it. I opened it. I read through everything. Sounded great. I looked at the price. I don't know anything about Thai bot at this time. I'm like, okay, let me plug that in the calculator and currency converter and see how much that is in Canadian. And I took that price and I took the price of what it cost here yep. and I added the flight into Thailand and the meals and everything. And I realized that they were pretty much the exact same price. Mm. So am I going to stay here and learn it or am I going to fly to Thailand, accommodate myself in some beautiful place in Thailand, go explore and have the authentic experience there? I mean- And you were like super young at this time so, then, right? No, I'm just super old now. So it was a long time Can ago. Can you stop saying that? We're like a year <laughs> apart. You were super young. You were I was in super your young. 20s. You were in your 20s. I was maybe 27, no, 20, 20, 20, yeah, about 27. So how were you introduced to Thai massage? Like you said, you just started like being interested in it, doing some research. Like what even sparked that to begin with? I don't remember in all honesty. Something, I, I came across it somewhere, somehow, some way. And I did a search to get a treatment because obviously I want to get a treatment and see what it's like. Right. I got a treatment and I, I really enjoyed it. I really liked what they did. I like the fact that, it, it, I mean, for anyone who doesn't know much about Thai massage, they refer to it as lazy man's yoga. So mm. I lay on the floor and somebody moved me throughout different yoga positions for an hour. It's like, this is perfect. I'm I'm doing yoga, but I don't have to do anything. It's great. It was great. I it's reap perfect. all the benefits and I just lie there. It's perfect for the guy who doesn't want to walk back and forth from the car right. to the house, the car to the house. Exactly. Guys. So I, I don't know if I got that from you then, but that's how I sort of explain it to clients who have no idea when I am doing, sometimes I incorporate some Thai like into my treatments. We might not do a full Thai massage, but I might at the end of the treatment, get them on the mat and do some stuff, right? And that's exactly how I explain it. I'm like, it's essentially like lazy lazy yoga. So I'm going to put you into these different positions. You just lay there. Just let me do what I'm doing. So in the texts in Thailand, um, they refer to it as lazy man's yoga. So I probably got that from you. I guess. I guess I mean, so. A, a, lot of, a lot of Thai practitioners will refer yeah. to that. Yeah. yeah. And people call it Thai yoga. It's for the record now that, you know, like this can broadcast and a lot of people can hear it. Yeah. It's traditional Thai massage. Yeah. Okay. It's, there's no Thai yoga. That's not a thing, but that's how people describe it. So yeah. I hear a lot of people understand. saying Thai yoga massage. And that's also branding too, right? That's branding. The same way yeah. people will come up with table Thai. Like tie on the table, you know. Yeah. So tell us about Thailand, man. Oh my gosh. You compare the prices, you're like, fuck, okay, well, I'm mid twenties, I might as well get this going while I'm still looking young. Just <laughs> But you didn't know you still had another fifteen years of looking young. <laughs> oh god, hopefully a lot longer than that. Um Thailand is amazing. I mean, you go to Thailand and you live like a king. Our money stretches so far when you're out there. Yeah. I tell people all the time, the cost of living, when you take Canadian dollars and you convert it over there, and it's not even just that, just everything is so cheap. You go on the street, you can buy a meal for a dollar, dollar fifty, right? You get accommodations. If you stay in a hostel, if that's your thing, you can get it for seven, eight bucks a night. Mm. If you want to rent an apartment for a month, you could pay 300, $350 a month to have security and a nice bed. My place had a nice cable TV, all the old uh, American movies that come on, which is really nice. Yeah. The weather's amazing if you go the right time of year. The people everywhere you go, everybody's smiling. 
Uh, some parts of the world they don't really like tourists. Thailand they love tourists. Yeah. You're the third person that's told us that. We've had a couple of people on the show Nikki. who have done some traveling. Nikki loved Thailand. Corey said Corey the same thing that Thailand was like it's just genuinely nice people. It's a nice atmosphere. You feel safe. Even these two are both female therapists, and they've both felt totally yeah, safe. Yeah, you don't get preyed on the same way you would in South America, Central America. Mm-hmm. Yeah, very safe. You can walk the streets at night, go anywhere you want. You can rent a scooter for a hundred bucks a month and scoot around everywhere get lost. People are just very warm, very welcoming, very helpful. So uh, cool. I can't say enough good things about Thailand. How long were you there? The first time I was there for two months, I believe. And how long was the course? Were you in the course the full two months or you just extended your vacation? The course was one month. Uh, you live at the school, you stay at the school. And you study every day? You study every day. Okay. You have weekends off, so Monday to Friday, pretty much. So the course that I did at that time, uh, the place is called the Old Medicine Hospital. Um, you study, I think it's a, about a seven hour class or I think it's only six hours actually Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Friday's like your final exam. And they teach you throughout the course of that one week, how to do a 90 minute massage with a person lying on their back. The second course, if you do the second course, they teach you how to do a 90 minute massage with a person face down or on their side. Uh, the next two weeks, if you want to do the more advanced stuff is learning a little bit more about the theory. So I did all that, learned more theory and then more advanced treatments. Mm. That was the first time. And that's when you came back from that first trip, did you immediately start offering Thai massage? Yeah? Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, I was pretty much exclusively doing Thai massage for a long while after that. Okay. Uh, it just resonated so well with me and uh, what I thought my clients needed at the time. That Did you have a clinic or were you mobile? Where, what were you doing? So same idea, just working different, uh, different places part-time. Okay. Uh, I did a lot of mobile stuff at that time. So the good thing about Thai massage, I just had to take this mat with me, go yep. to the house, lie it down and treat them. And So when go. you're when you're starting to do Thai massage at these clinics that you were working at before, like you kind of just went back and worked there after your training? Yeah. Were they open to the idea like, this guy's going to start offering Thai massage? Our people don't know what Thai massage is all about. They're coming here thinking they're getting naked on the table, getting greased up, like, you know, nudity and lotion. And this guy's like, <laughs> keep your clothes on. And, and we're doing this on the floor. Did your employers or clinic owners give you any kind of blowback about this? No, because they looked at it as an opportunity. Oh, this is a new uh, therapy. We can charge more money for it. Gotcha. And with Thai massage, it's actually kind of the complete opposite. You keep all your clothes on, yeah. right? So you wear all this loose fit clothing. You're fully covered the whole time. Yep. So for them, they looked at it as an opportunity to charge more money. <laughs> you wear more clothes we charge more money <laughs> <laughs> you're doing <laughs> anything that's different they like to charge yeah, more. like yeah, you said yeah. about branding right let's let's do deep tissue massage <laughs> that's not a thing man we're just putting that more pressure yeah. you're paying an extra 20 bucks for what <laughs> I charge people based on my time and I've left clinics for this because in the end I have some clinics that I've worked at in the past they want to charge so much money and listen people will come people will pay it but at what point are you charging so much that people can't get the treatment they need because the people who really need therapy mm -hmm. I'm not going to see you once or twice. I may have to see you six, 10, 15 times, depending on how severe your problem is. Right. And thankfully for most of them, they don't take that long. But when they do, who's going to afford the treatment that they need, right? I didn't fly to Thailand to learn something so that I can come back here and not, not help the people in need. So yeah. I keep my prices very reasonable. People ask me all the time why I charge so little. And I'm, I'm raising my price soon, not by much, but it's just, it has to be accessible. People have to be able to afford to come and get treatment. Otherwise, 
you're wasting your time or you're just not really helping people. Well, I like that you charge based on your time. I'm very similar. I don't charge based on what modalities I'm using because again, um, it's, it's still my time. Like I'm not doing, so whether I'm incorporating cupping, whether I'm doing reflexology, whether I'm doing Thai, whether I'm just doing general Swedish massage, if you book an hour, I'm going to charge you for an hour of my time. And you may incorporate all of those in one treatment right. as opposed to saying, I get people all the time who ask me for a Thai massage. I say, I'll give you a Thai massage so you can see what it's like. But after that, I'm going to do what you need. And if you need time massage, then we're going to do time massage continuously. But mm-hmm. I combine almost everything I do in every treatment. It's it's all just different tools. So I don't, uh, like if you see outside of here, my price list doesn't specify any different types of treatment. The only difference is we have a list that says massage fees and kinesiology fees. And guess what? They're still the same. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So after coming back, now you're offering time massage to people Wait a second, I got a question. You were away for one month, two months, two months? Two months. So the first month was all school and the second month was like, I'm in Thailand. Do you have a significant other? No, not right now. Did you at the time? I mean, did I meet a significant other there? Did you have a significant other before you went? Before I went, no. Oh, I was wondering how that would play out. (laughs) No, no, no. I'm going to go for two months and uh, live in this great place. If I had a significant other, I'd be like, come with me. Mm. We can cut this part out if you want, but fun story, because like I said, we don't really know each other very well, but since we have a mutual friend, um, she used to describe you as somebody that um, did pretty well with the ladies. (laughs) She used to say that you would... Go out. I mean, we worked. We worked in a very. (laughs) Oh um, boy, I can only imagine some of the things she said. (laughs) Well, the the neighborhood that we lived in at the or that you know when I worked there, the neighborhood that we lived in, people used to refer to as young and eligible. And her description of you was that you fit in quite well there. And she would sometimes show up at the clinic in the morning, and you had been out so late on a date that you had slept there. I've done that before, so I know I know exactly (laughs) what that's all about sleeping at the. I don't think I actually ever slept in the office. I may have slept in my car. At the, yeah, she probably means I slept Maybe in, my in your car. car yeah. At the back. She probably rolled up to park and she sees me passed out in my car. Yeah, that probably happened a few times. So, right. yeah, her, her description of you was not necessarily, you know, the guy with the one girlfriend. She, he used to, uh, I can't remember how she phrased it, but she described you as, you know, you did all right with the women when you worked in that neighborhood. <laughs> I'm, I'm a little bit picky. I'll be honest. A little honest. bit picky. I'm okay. a little bit picky. So, I mean, I. Oh, this could be fun. Wait. I got my head screwed on. I know what I want in life. I work damn hard to get it so i don't have expectations well i mean if we're talking about expectations maybe the only expectation i'd say i have is that someone is like-minded you have goals in life you know what you Mm. want to achieve and you're willing to pursue them and work hard for them i just don't consider it picky do you think that's picky i don't know i was waiting to hear the rest (laughs) (laughs) maybe i've been just labeled as picky enough where i'm just like i accept it but it's not true no i mean um when you're single, you meet people. You go out, you have a good time, you meet people. I d- I'm very easygoing. I'm very outgoing as well. I'm not the most shy individual. So I'll go out, I'll have a good time, I'll meet people. And I'm also the type of person who uh, I like to keep people close to me. So I keep in touch with people that I've met who right now live in Australia. I have friends I talk to in Australia. Friends I talk mm-hmm. to who live in the Netherlands, in Portugal, in Spain, in France. I keep in touch with everybody. So, I mean, when you see when I work in a place and friends come, she's not going to remember the guys that come to visit me. She's like, oh, I remember that girl and that girl and that girl and that girl. And she gets Maybe that was it. She'd like, see all these women coming through and she's yes. like, okay. Yes. I see what you're If you're a guy, you're, you're not about. allowed to have friends. So if she sees girls, are like, oh, I know what you're up to. I'm like, no, I'm not up to that at all. But that's sometimes the impression that, you know, they get. So it is what it is. So, okay. Now you're back. 
and you're working. You said <laughs> I'm you laughing because s- you've said that probably. I know. Four I keep trying. Now. Well, it's because he said the first time. So I'm trying to figure. Like you obviously went back to Thailand. Did you go back just for vacation, or did you go back to study more? No, I went back with the intention of studying more. Um, so after learning the basics and putting them into practice for a couple of years, uh, I wanted to go back and study more in depth. And there are so many different masters you can go and learn from, whether it's one-on-one or in a classroom setting. I took advantage of both. I went and I studied one-on-one with a master who, to this day, she's one of the best, uh, most knowledgeable practitioners I've ever seen. So anybody who wants to go to Thailand and learn from someone amazing, her her name's Cookie, which is hilarious. <laughs> she's Thai. Yeah. Um, her school is called Loy Crow. It's in Chiang Mai. That school is unbelievable. That's I've heard where, that name before. Uh, Loy Crow. Maybe that was Nikki. Maybe Nikki. I got to go back and listen to Nikki's podcast because mm-hmm. that immediately that's familiar. She's unbelievable. I went out there and I studied with her uh, one-on-one to do Chine Song, which I guess we'll get into a little bit uh, in a little bit. Um, but I studied just Thai massage, advanced Thai massage with her in her school. I studied Chine Song, uh, the basics and the advanced course one-on-one. I went and I studied with another master. Um, he has a classroom setting, but you literally go into his class and you sit down and anything goes that class. So if he's feeling lazy that day, he'll do his opening little prayer thing, little meditation, and he may just point out one or two things and go to sleep. <laughs> but <That's> so awesome. <laughs> but when he's on point, when he yeah, wants to yeah. show you something, most classes will start with a little bit of a prayer, a meditation. And then as you're sitting there, he'll talk to you about some kind of just some Buddhist principles and whatnot. And then he'll sit there and he'll be like, this girl, this girl sitting right here, pain, pain in knee, block, blocked, shoulder, blocked. Mm. And he'll be like, lie down. And he'll go up and he'll start treating her. And as soon as he starts treating her, he'll first show you where the blockages are. And he'll be like, feel here, feel here. And look how she sits. Look how so she stands. So he sees that just by looking at her. He sees everything by looking at you. Everybody. It's just who he wants to pick for that day. <laughs> I and, love this. Oh, he's he's good. He's good. Actually, that's kind of how I want to teach because I'm moving more into teaching now. But that's how I want my class. I don't like the structured stuff. I like, you know, let's just let's just take whatever presents itself. So he would do that and he'd pick a student and he'd start working on them. Everybody would take notes and then just go and practice. Uh, I studied with him for a while and then there's another school that I went to to study. So all in all, I think I, I studied with three different masters, four, four, one teacher and three masters. I studied with the second time that I went out there. How do you get the title of master? Um, that's a good question as well. Um I should ask my master because I, <laughs> I have a Shaolin monk that I, I train with uh, here and he's a grandmaster. I think if you're a grandmaster, don't quote me on this, but I think if you're a grandmaster, then you can start teaching other people and initiate someone into being a master. I don't know. I shouldn't talk. I don't know. <laughs> I'm not sure. <laughs> I know. I, I actually think that's kind of how it works. Yeah. 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 I'll just believe you. You know a little no, bit about I, a lot. I, I'm having... <laughs> I'm having a flashback of that girl, that girl, um, I can't remember her name. I think it was Maureen that we had on the podcast. Maureen. Went from PhD to body worker to tapping. And she was talking about being a tapping master or something like that and how you end up getting those titles. I think maybe I'm making all of this up, which is (laughs) a very real possibility. That's why I stopped short. I'm like, I'm going down a slippery slope. I'm not sure I know fully. But when you get treatment from a master and see a master, you know it's not just a title. Yeah. You know it's not just a title. I've seen Well, some... I mean, to be able to look at somebody and say, blockage here, blockage here. This is why I love this, because 
where are all the evidence-based people <laughs> at, oh, mom- at moments like this, right? Those, those evidence-based people will question everything that they think they know if they do one Tai Chi class with uh, the master I train with. Because after one Tai Chi class, you will feel energy as clear as day. And if you continue working with him, you learn how to expand it, how to manipulate it, how to move it. And it's not like you feel it. And sure as if I were to grab your arm right now and you'd feel that, you feel it clear as day. Mm. So yeah, good luck with the evidence-based stuff, trying to figure that stuff out. <laughs> <laughs> we make it sound like we hate evidence-based people. We no, don't. we don't. We had Rob Haddo on, who is an evidence-based practitioner. We keep in touch with him. Rob Haddo's even coming and speaking at yeah, our, yeah. our networking event. We do not dislike or disrespect any type of therapist there's room for everyone our issue and why we always kind of giggle when we talk about evidence-based people is the ones that kind of bully the other therapists who don't subscribe to that you know they might get excited about a course they've taken or you know talk about a specific specific modality and then people are jumping on them like where's the research where's the research Mm -hmm. i'm like why why you gotta be mean to this person i just don't get it evidence-based is very very important i agree with that 100 percent. i'm all for it the only problem i have with it is if you haven't found the evidence-based proof behind it yet, then you dismiss it. Yes. Yes. Like yeah. acupuncture has been around forever because yes. you don't fully understand it because maybe you haven't studied it in depth like some of the masters have been doing for the last 5,000 years. Yes. If yeah. you don't understand it, you can't dismiss it. Look into it and say, I don't know. I really yes. don't know anything about this stuff. I'm going to study it. Don't don't dismiss it. You can't do that. Yeah. It's only the dismissive attitudes that ever bother me because I'm with you. I think that evidence... Evidence is important, of course. I don't think that we should all just be wandering around um, claiming, making claims that we have no idea. But I also don't dismiss subjective information. I don't dismiss anecdotal evidence. I don't dismiss therapies, as you said, that have been around for mm-hmm. thousands of years mm-hmm. because they have lasted this long for a reason. Yep. So I'm, and, yeah, I don't understand it. I'll tell you firsthand right now, since I've been tra- I've been training with this monk for the last, I think, two and a half years now. There's science behind all of it. A hundred percent. It's all evidence-based. They just don't understand those theories or haven't studied those theories. And that's not something that they just open up to the world. A master is not going to... My master has maybe taught a class that I was in in two and a half years, maybe twice. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. He doesn't teach. He's busy treating everybody. His disciples teach. If you want to commit to him and be a disciple, if you want to go through the disciplehood, he'll work with you one-on-one and your potential is infinite from there. But it's not just you walk up to him and you have a conversation and say, hey, master, uh, what do you think about this? It doesn't work that way. No, you got to go to Jedi Temple, man. You want to be a Jedi? (laughs) That's it. That's exactly what it is. So when you went back to Thailand the second time. What are are the classes like? Like when you're in a class, how many people are we talking about in a class? And I'm assuming that these these are people from all over the world that are in these classes. So it depends on the school. Okay. Um, The first time I went, that school had probably somewhere in the ballpark of about 15 to 20 okay. students. The second time I went, the first class I went to, they had about seven people, but each one of those seven people had their own teacher. Mm. So you're working one-on-one with a teacher. Oh. So that's the one teacher I mentioned, not a master, but I worked one-on-one with a teacher. And yeah. actually there's two different teachers that I worked with now that I think about it. Um, so yeah, like six students, but each with your own personalized teacher. The next class I went to with the guy who will sit there and point out all your blockages, yeah. he would have, every day would be different because it's not something where you sign this course and you pay in advance. You go there, yep. you present a gift to him, um, and then cash, like kind of gift? the payment. 
Uh, it's very specific, actually. You got to go to a store, you got to buy these type of flowers, you got to buy these types of candles and this. He doesn't tell you any of this. He is so renowned out there that the students who have been there post what you're supposed to do, how you're supposed to act. Like, yeah. there's rules to this stuff. Were if you, you go terrified? there and you do, Like, were no, you scared that care. he was going to be like, no, get out no, of my face? Not at all. I saw it as an opportunity to learn from somebody who's very knowledgeable. Yeah. Uh, I had a problem with one thing he did in class, but it's like, this guy has so much knowledge. What, like, whatever his rules are, it's his rules. He's earned the right to work and live how he wants to. What was that one thing? I was just going to say, are we, uh, are he, we talking he, about it? He called me out in a class for doing something okay. that he didn't like, but I don't think he knows like my background and my knowledge base either. And I, I know why he did it. So okay. I don't even necessarily fault him. Can we can, you, can, you, can we just get down to it? Like, what, did you, what, what I were do? you doing? And uh, Okay, so yeah. there's a technique where if you have somebody face down, Okay, you are you sit on their sacrum. Okay, I'm. You sit on them facing their feet, and then you kind of spread their knees a little bit open, and you grab their feet and you lean and pull back. We did that. Yeah, we did that. So now, when you like you said, it's an international class. There's a lot of people who are going there who don't really have the uh, the education that we may have, right? So. Doing that and doing it the wrong way to the wrong person, I agree, is very dangerous. And maybe he thought that's what I was doing. Okay. So he went in attack mode because he, he goes, he attacks people and he he just attacks them. I think he's trying to break their ego or something yeah. in order to kind of start building them up. So he went in attack mode on me and just kind of sat there. I'm just like... I'm like, okay, okay, I won't do it. Okay. That was actually going to be my next question to you was when you're at a place like this, working Mm -hmm. with a master, working with body workers from all over the world, is it like a, we're going to tear it down and we're going to rebuild it moment? Or is it just like, okay, we're just adding to what you already do. And I I just, I'm only asking this because I, this just gave me flashbacks to a buddy of mine who uh, went, it has nothing to do with massage, who went to Sheridan College for animation, which is like the place to go for animation. Like it's hard as fuck to get in. So everybody that goes there is a talented artist. And my buddy broke down his first semester because they pretty much say everything you know is nothing. You are shit. We now have to start all fucking over. And if you're not open to that, you you can't survive. Um, I would say with him, it was like that. He was the only one. The training I do in Tai Chi and Qigong, it's not directly like that. I think there's a lot of masters who are like that because mm-hmm. when you, especially when you talk about martial arts, right? You have to break someone. You have to break someone down before you teach them to be a deadly weapon. Yep. If you don't learn how to control your emotions, then they can turn you into a, a, a killing machine. You can go out and kill someone, and then you're in jail for life, and that person's dead. And the master's responsible as they see it. Mm-hmm. So I, I understand that element of it in in terms of martial arts. Not in terms of doing body work, most of them are not like that from my experience. Okay. Uh, he's the only one that I saw who was really like that. He got in trouble. <laughs> yeah, I just took it like a man. It's just like, okay, all right, I won't do that. Okay, okay, all right. I do some techniques on him and he's like, he's like technique, technique. He doesn't like when you use a quote unquote tech. Anybody who's listening, who's been there, who's been to Chiang Mai, <laughs> has seen this guy and they know who I'm talking about because they've heard technique, technique. <laughs> ringing their head all day. If you do something that he thinks is going to damage your body as a therapist, he'll say technique, technique, because you're using too much force or you're just, you're doing something that you've been taught. Do it this way, this precise way with this much pressure, lean this way. He doesn't like that. He's very unorthodox. Mm. Everything he does, he, it looks very lazy. He's just sitting down reclined like this with his foot in someone's, I don't know, adductors, mm. right? He's very relaxed the whole time he's treating. So when he sees tension in you or when he sees you doing something that he thinks has been ingrained in you um, from another teacher, he'll be like, technique, technique. He would hate me. When I took that one day Thai course that I took, like, I mean, I have to practice it more probably, but 
I, like I said, I found it hard. Like I found that it was really hard on my body and it's probably because I'm not relaxed. I am tense. I am thinking about how to do this properly and make sure that it's good for the client. And yeah, I'm probably way too tense. So it's also something where your body is not used to being in those positions, right? Think of when you started doing massage therapy in school, right? Your fingers probably hurt, your wrist probably hurt, your elbow hurt, your back hurt, probably everything in your entire body hurt. I mean, most likely all of us in school were doing things wrong and had poor posture, but it's not necessarily about that. It's just you're not used to being in those positions and holding them. Mm -hmm. So they tell you your first day of class when you go in Thailand, your back is going to be screaming at you the first week, week and a half. And it doesn't necessarily mean you're doing anything wrong. You're just not used to sitting this yeah, way. You just you're not to get used to, to doing it. this. So sure enough, after a week, my back was screaming at me a week and a half. And then after that, it didn't bother me again. I was fine. With Thai massage, you are able, you're pretty much doing yoga yourself as the practitioner. Totally. Right? So you get a good workout. Your posture, if you're aware of it, is going to be impeccable. And it's, it's not very physically demanding. It is physically demanding on your body, but it's not taxing to your body. The first actual Thai massage I gave to a client, um, I was <laughs> I was actually sweating, like beads of sweat on my face. And I was like, this is so embarrassing. Because when I treat somebody doing like Swedish massage or anything else I do, I've gotten to a point, I've been a therapist for almost nine years. I'm not sweating, you know, like I can do this in my sleep. I was dripping sweat. I'm like, this is horribly embarrassing because I was so exhausted. That actually means you are probably practicing exactly how you were supposed to. Because if you're not on fire, if your whole body's not on fire, if you are not just hot, you it was generate- hot and sweaty. You it generate so much heat when you do a Thai massage. And ironically, the client actually gets cold as you do a treatment. Yeah. I can't remember the theory behind that, but the clients always get cold. Hmm. Interesting one, huh? Interesting. I call up some of those masters and ask them questions. I don't recall why that is. And while you're at it, P.S., why are you called a master? <laughs> 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 exactly. <laughs> we need to understand this. I'm going to Google that. I want to know. So the other type of massage that you have studied. Chine Song. Chine Song. I got it. When did that come into First, play? First, what is it? Okay. Chine Song is, uh, if I were to describe it in Western terms, it's mostly visceral work. You're working. It's a 90-minute treatment if you're doing a routine, which you always gravitate away from after you've learned it. But it's strictly in your stomach. I am digging into your stomach for an hour, an hour and a half. I'm working on every organ, your your colon, your liver, your pancreas, your gallbladder, your spleen, your stomach. Like we work on every organ. It's all directly in your stomach. The reason we do it is to remove buildup of sedimentation in the arteries, in the uh, the organs. So if you think about it, we get massage, we bring nice rich blood flow to our shoulder if we hurt our shoulder, right? You get nice rich oxygenated blood, you remove all the toxins. If your shoulder hurts, it's not really a big problem, right? It's just pain. It's not going to affect your livelihood. But our organs keep us alive. They filter out all the toxins from everything we eat, everything we breathe in, everything we touch. They are so overwhelmed with trying to keep us alive and vital. When they get clogged up because we're not living the healthiest lifestyle or eating the cleanest food or breathing the cleanest air, they get overwhelmed. And we have full access to all of our organs. But how often do you touch your stomach? How often do you get your stomach massaged when you go for treatment? We don't. No, people are crazy uncomfortable with people touching their stomach. Yes. How many people have digestive issues? How many people have fertility issues, right? These are, these are things that can all be treated with this therapy. Uh, so I actually learned about this therapy, geez, before I went to Thailand the second time, I think I, I knew about it for three or four years, but I knew it as Hara diagnosis, which is, that's the Japanese style of doing almost exactly the same thing. Mm-hmm. It's treating all through the abdomen. 
uh, I was looking everywhere online to find somewhere where they taught it. And I only found one place in the States, which is ironic because it's Japanese. Mm -hmm. It was really expensive. Timing didn't work. So I didn't end up going. The second time I went to Thailand to study with these masters, I saw a place that said Chine Song. And I saw a picture of the stomach and all the organs and the reflexes in the stomach. I said, oh, that looks like horror diagnosis. I went and I asked them about what it was and realized it's pretty much the exact same thing. So I took a course with one master out there, Cookie, the same amazing master out there. And then I went and I took another course with another master because I wanted to see how they did things differently. Was there a big variance in what they did or was it essentially the same? Oh no, it was very different actually. Very different. Um, I guess as different as a massage, if I gave a massage to someone and you did and then Mark did, they'd all be different, right? We right. have our own styles, but in essence, the goals of treatment are pretty much all the same. Can you give me a, just a small idea of like what you would do in, in someone's abdomen? Okay. So um, again, there's so many different ways of treating it. If you're yeah, asking yeah. about my way personally, yeah. I always start out with, and technically you're always supposed to start out with cleaning out someone's colon, Okay, right? Your colon takes up a, a huge component of your abdomen yeah. and most people have digestive issues. Most people have tons of blockages in their colon, whether they know it or not, as soon as you start pushing into their stomach, you're going to feel, this is soft, this is soft, ooh, that's hard as rock. So the first thing I do is, I use, it's going to scare people when they hear it, uh, I use my elbow, I go with my elbow, put my elbow in your stomach, and I yeah. compress those points. Yeah. You guys know as therapists that when you feel something, it won't always respond, but then based on what you feel, you know, okay, it's not going to respond if I push on this angle, I'm going to switch my angle, or I'm going to circle it. Or I'm going to do, you know, apply more pressure or hold it longer. So it all depends on what I find in there, but I either push the point, circle it. Mm -hmm. There's there's so many different techniques that you can use. Mm. After clearing out the colon, then you gain more access to all the other organs and you can go and start working more uh, specifically on them. There's parts where my hand will be pretty much almost underneath your rib cage. Right. And I'm working on your liver. So we have access to the liver. I can push underneath your rib cage and palpate it. I can strip through it. I can work different points. I can push directly on your gallbladder and then I can kind of in a circular motion, follow the bile duct out of your gallbladder and actually clean that duct out to make sure that bile is flowing through it. So if there's any blockages, we're removing the blockages from them. Do people, uh, while they're getting this treatment, do people suddenly have the urge that like they have to go to the bathroom? Do people get nauseous? Have you ever had anybody who feels like they're going to vomit? Like I feel like if somebody was pressing on my gallbladder, I would want to throw up. Uh, no, never had that. Um, okay. It's not the most comfortable treatment. Yeah, that's what I was going to ask. World. Is it is it painful though, or is it just like discomfort? I, I guess. I mean. Yeah, it's, it's like giving a massage, right? It depends on your therapist. It could be very painful right, or it could right, be uncomfortable. Right. I don't believe in causing anyone pain. There's very, very few things. If you're frictioning, scar tissue, okay, that may be painful. But other than that, I don't ever believe in causing anybody pain. Um, your folks, that, that was that thing we learned way back in school, sympathetic nervous system firing. Goal for every treatment, decrease sympathetic <laughs> nervous system firing. Well, if I cause you pain, I'm increasing that. So yeah, I, right. discomfort is perfectly okay. For me, I don't like causing pain in people. And uh, what was your question that I was going to answer? Oh, oh the because uh, you, you were don't talking about feel... clearing the blockages in the colon. Yes. Like, you know, for example, when in school, we were learning like the constipation treatments, right? Mm -hmm. And your teacher will say, don't be surprised if essentially your client then has to shit. Like, do people suddenly say to you like, okay, my stomach is feeling something. Like, have you ever had to let anybody get off the table to go to the bathroom? Usually it's... 12 hours to 72 hours of when everything goes. Mm. So while they're on the table, rare. How many people have to pass gas on the table? That's far more common. Mm -hmm. And the hardest thing as a therapist is to tell people like, listen, 
If you have to, do it. Like you don't want to hold it in. It's not good for you. That air is what we're trying to release. This is all, again, it comes under Taoism. So it's Chinese medicine theory. And we talk about wind in the body. You want to clear wind from the body. Mm -hmm. So there's a golden opportunity. Take it. I'll step out of the room. I got some, you know, incense. It's fine. This is what we're here for. This is a breakthrough. Let's take advantage. Are you in almost all of your patients' abdomens? Um, No. Uh, Some people are not comfortable with it. Okay. So once I gain someone's trust and once it's kind of indicated, so for pretty much every client I have, if you have lower back pain and you tell me you have lower back pain or if I start pushing on your back and I feel it and I question you and you say, yeah, I'm be like, I want to... I want to see what's going on in your stomach. Mm-hmm. Colon refers pain to the back. Kidneys refer pain to the back. There's lots of things that refer to back pain. Mm-hmm. So, and obviously, psoas is a huge one, right? So, I want to go in your stomach and see what's going on. Pretty much all of my clients will eventually, at some point, end up doing this treatment. And a lot of them love and want to continue, even though it's uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Benefits far outweigh the little bit of discomfort. And uh, I treated this, I'm treating this woman uh, I just started with. I treated her for the second time today. And she says things just don't move. That's that's the one problem of a couple that she has. So I treated her, I think, three days ago. And she's like, yeah, the next day, things move. So this is amazing. You know what I'd like to see? I'd like to see what you do in an abdomen versus like what Sue Ru does Sue in Ru- an Yeah, abdomen I was thinking about her. She is all about myofascial release. And she's of the same idea. Like, everybody, I'm in their abdomen. There's not one fucking person that I see that I'm not in their stomach. Yeah. And I'd be curious to, to see your Completely hands. Completely different, I think. If you're, if you're talking talking about myofascial probably completely different i'll give you oh so i mean you asked earlier i'll give you some more specifics now so i'm going to take my elbow yeah i'm going to measure maybe an inch and a half below your belly button Mm -hmm. and how you're supposed to do it i'm a lot nicer than how they teach it initially because this is the western world where people are not used to this type of stuff you're supposed to visualize the abdomen as a fish tank and you're supposed to put your elbow in and sink to the bottom so I'm going to put my elbow on a point and I'm going to sink to the bottom. Did yeah. you say an that, inch and a half below your belly button? Yes. That's, um, yeah, that's the so Don Tien. So you're going right in there with your elbow. Yep. <gasps> Don Tien. So your Don Tien is the major energy center. You want to activate that before you start. Then you want to open up the wind channel. So the wind channel is your belly button. Hmm. So I'm put my elbow on the right side of your belly button and I'm going to push straight down until I hit the bottom and I'm going to hold it and you're going to feel your pulse and you're going to feel different sensations. You may feel things going down your leg. You may feel things up by your heart. You may feel pain any and everywhere. We'll do that eight different points around your belly button, the right, the top, the left, the bottom, the bottom diagonal corner. Each one of those points signifies a different organ. And when I feel that there's an issue there, I know what organ's causing it. And actually, one of the interesting things is if you look at your belly button, it's usually going to point to what organ you have a problem with because of the fascia that's going to drag it. Right, you right, know when, the two of us are going to be standing in front of the mirror tonight, like <laughs> checking out our belly buttons. <laughs> I was I was doing that when I first learned. I was like, oh man, what's wrong with this? What's wrong with that? Like, luckily, I'm in pretty good shape. Um, but it's... Yeah, it's really fascinating stuff. And if you think about it, when when you have any problem, let's say you have a problem with your your liver, right? It doesn't mean necessarily you're going to die. Maybe you just have an imbalance or whatever. But if you have a problem with something, our body's very protective. The muscles surrounding you are going to tighten to protect it. And muscles attached to bone, so it's going to start to pull bone towards it. It's going to create more fascial restriction. What's that going to do? All that's going to pull your be- belly button out of alignment, right? It's all going to have a drag effect. So your belly button's going to drag to where you have a problem and point it out. Um, and from experience, people have a lot more problems than just where their belly button's pointing. But yeah, I, I love the treatment. I incorporate it with a lot of my clients now. And I think it's, you know, a few years back, Thai massage was the big fad mm-hmm. and everybody wanted to do Thai massage and Thai yoga and all this stuff. This one 
it's definitely, I mean, Thai massage is not a fad. It's been around for thousands of years. This has been around for thousands of years. When I say fad, I mean, these are things that haven't really reached this part of the world yet. And it, it needs to. And I think I'm going to start teaching it. I mean, that's why I want to go into teaching more because I just see when I go and I get treatment myself that the industry is lacking. I mean, there's a lot of therapists that are lacking, I don't know, access to proper education. I mean, you guys, what you guys do here is amazing. And mm. I'm kind of going in the same direction of wanting to teach and, and really help therapists to take their careers to the next level. So you want to focus mainly on Thai massage and what you've been doing. So you're not going to be teaching stuff that we could learn anywhere else really in North America. You're bringing Eastern techniques here. Yeah, I, I use a lot of Eastern methods, but I would be teaching pretty much everything. I don't like the idea of structure. With Chine Song, I would do it very structured because it's so new and people are just, it's so foreign to people. Mm -hmm. But apart from that, I would i would like to teach like that same master where someone comes in and I'm like, this person has neck problems. I'm like, okay, yeah. I'm going to assess them right in front of everybody so you can see what I'm doing. I'm going to make you feel what I feel. I'm going to show you kind of the thought process behind it because a technique's a technique. It's great. But when do you apply that technique? Mm -hmm. Right. It's, it's all about just the gathering of information, then what to do with that information. It's like a, it's like a group mentorship. I like it. It's not a class. It's not a course. Yeah. It is no tests. You don't have to worry about passing something. Yeah. And, you know, hopefully I get to the point where I'm like, oh, I studied with that guy. You know, that's good enough. Just my name, not I, <laughs> paper and some diploma. I'm not giving yeah, you. Yeah, and then I had, to, and then I had to go buy him flowers and this <laughs> and this type of drink, and I like then flowers. I, and I then like I flowers. And then I got accepted into his class. <laughs> so when can the world expect you to be teaching or mentoring or whatever you're going to call what you do? When is that coming to us? Probably been doing that for about eight years. But again, okay. because I'm not on social media, it's a, it's a word of mouth thing. It's uh, I met you at a trade show. Oh, I like what you do. And I'm a therapist. Do you teach? Yeah, absolutely. Well, okay. When do you have a next class running? I say I run classes, quote unquote, all the time. They're not, I just don't call them classes. You call me, you say I'm available. I say, so am I. And then we get together. I'm going to structure it more so that it's probably going to be every, I don't know, Friday or every Sunday. I'm going to have a block of a couple hours and you know, you'll drop in maybe 20 bucks or yep. something along those lines for a class. So it's not draining your pockets, but at the same time you get to learn a lot from it and you get to sit down and that's very similar to, there's a dude in uh, Texas. His name is Robert Gardner. He's been on the podcast before I follow him on Facebook, but he's got this thing that he calls the Thai Massage Jam, and that's what he does. It's like on Thursday nights, it's a drop-in kind of thing. I don't know if he charges anything, and you know, he mentors, he goes through stuff, and you guys, and you work. It's, it's pretty cool. Yeah, I like it. And I mean, one of the things that discourages me from taking courses here, apart from the fact that, you know, after gaining so much experience, it's like you've done all the courses here, or... You just have some experiences like, yeah, I know how to do fascial work. I've been practicing for 15 years. Yep. There's not a lot of access to very good courses for an affordable price. And for me, it's like, you know what? I would not hesitate to drop 20 bucks to go sit with someone who's very accomplished yep. and sit and learn from them. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you guys know Eric Dalton. I, I would love to sit in one of his classes. I would love to. You know, I don't care how much, how long I've been doing this, how much experience I have, how much I learn. For me, when I meet guys like that, I'm like, it's nothing in comparison. You know, um, the the master that I do, the Tai Chi and the Qigong with, for me, um, if you guys know Jeff Cavalier, he's got a YouTube channel and personal trainer. Those guys have so much knowledge. Mm -hmm. I, I would love, if I had an opportunity to go and sit in a class with them, whenever I felt like it, I'd be there all the time learning. 
And the fact that it's not structured is great because I feel when things are not structured, you learn more. Like I don't take courses anymore. I, honestly, I find like kind of what you're suggesting. I find people that are doing something that I'm interested in. And I'm like, hey, you got some time? I got some time. And you want to hang out? And that's the way it goes. Yep. The same thing that we do here. We have a complete open door policy. Any therapist wants to come in and hang out and rap about stuff, you're more than welcome to. Amazing. Yeah. Amazing. And I'm not against courses. It's just that it's, the, it's I mean, the things are changing now with the CMTO and all the guidelines and whatnot. But yeah. I feel like there are so many courses out there where, I'll give you an example. I took a cupping course. Yeah. Okay. And before I even signed up for the course, I'm like, I'm pretty sure that even though I've never done cupping before, I, I know all of this stuff. Okay, just from the background that I have and learning a little bit of Chinese medicine and sure. getting acupuncture, also, I, I pretty much know everything they're going to teach me. But I said, you know what? I'm going to pay the way too high price to go and take this course and learn it. And I went and I sat and as she was speaking, I finished every sentence that she was going to say because I knew the answers to all the stuff anyways. Yeah, yeah. So I have no problem paying a lot of money. I'll pay a good amount of money to learn something, but make sure I'm learning something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Make sure it's worth my while. Otherwise, I'm just... I'm wasting my money and I'm wasting my time. I don't like doing that. I think with the new quality assurance program, though, there's going to be less courses that um, are filler courses, if that's the right word. You know, there's there used to be people, I think, that would teach courses just for high CEU values, and they weren't necessarily things that therapists really needed that added any value to their practice. Um, I think that's one thing that we do. I say we, but it's really Mark. That's one thing that Mark does really well is the courses that he develops are adding to what it's yeah, most of them are adding to what you already do but just enhancing it mm-hmm. just improving on the skills you already have and making you a little bit better as a therapist and uh, that was one thing when we first started Con Ed was let's keep these prices reasonable like yeah. there's no reason that people should be paying you know seven thousand dollars to learn so it's <laughs> it's crazy the I just courses out there like that it's ridiculous yeah, yeah. Pulled and then the, the levels air. right the <laughs> yeah. level, level one, one level two, two level three yeah. Let's just slow down this learning so we can make more money. Yeah. And it's so arbitrary. Like it doesn't, it's, they're really just making up levels. I think sometimes. Oh, they are. Absolutely. Sure. Absolutely. There's no levels in Thailand. <laughs> <laughs> There's positions. You can learn how to treat someone on their back or on their side or face down or seated, but there's no levels. We're just going to teach it all to you. And mm-hmm. you know what? To learn a full three hour routine, it takes two weeks to learn. Now you want to get very good at it and enhance your skills and learn more advanced stuff. Fine. You keep studying. That's why I went back, but you can learn a full, amazing three hour massage routine in two weeks. Go to Thailand. It'll probably cost you like 400 bucks. <laughs> and you get to go to Thailand. And you get to go to Thailand. Exactly. Right on. That's good stuff, man. So, okay. For anybody that is listening You're refreshing, to this. dude. Oh, thanks, man. I'm happy to come back anytime. I just love your office. I'll be honest. I, office, <laughs> I don't want to leave. hang out here. When this is over. I'm going to be like, I got to go now? Really? Uh, for people that are listening, though, um, because of the fact that most of what you do is word of mouth, you're not online. We always tell people like, hey, where can people find you? Give it. How will people find you? You are you don't exist in Internet space. I do the one thing that um, probably nobody does that sounds like an absolute nightmare to most people. My phone number. <laughs> Call me. Oh my, you Text answer me. your phone? Not always. <laughs> no. My phone's probably rang five times since I've been here. I'm not looking at it. I'm busy. I'm doing something. I'm old school. Okay, because my phone's ringing doesn't mean I have you to be are, like, ah, You are ah, a ah, young no. guy with an old man's mentality. Most definitely. Maybe that's why you're so refreshing. <laughs> you're a young guy with an old school mentality. Life, I mean, life, it's fast. 
And it's getting faster and faster. I'm in no rush to do. What am I in a rush to do? Get to the finish line? I'm trying to avoid getting to the finish line. (laughs) (laughs) I'm trying to slow things down. So for me, yeah, you know, I have clients who hit me up all the time. If somebody hits me up at 11.30 p.m., I have no problem with it. But I'll tell you something. They're not expecting a response. Mm -hmm. They're not going to get it till the next morning. They know that. That doesn't bother them. Right. They know that they can hit me up anytime and I will get back to them when I have a moment. Right. Right. So I I like that. It's more personal. I like the personalized thing, especially with what we do, you know? Yeah. Our business is very personal and it's interesting because although I do have a website and I do have the social media and whatnot, most of my clients actually, we all communicate through text. All of my clients have my mobile number because I'm not going to sit in the office all day. And since I just have a small practice now, it's just me and my clients. I do everything. It's not like I have a receptionist. Everybody has my cell and they can text me anytime. And yeah, they know I'll get back to you when I can. But it is pretty personal. I I feel like I've got a whole lot of friends. (laughs) They're all clients. Yeah, yeah. The one thing they say don't do, like, yeah, okay, like I'm going to see someone every day for five years, or sorry, once a week for five years and we're not going to become friends, sure. Well, I mean, <laughs> okay. we, I don't go like hang out with my clients. Like they're not actually like, I guess, friends in the traditional mm-hmm. sense. But for example, I had a client who came across an article that just based on our conversations, she thought that I would find interesting. So she sent it to me via WhatsApp at like midnight the other night. I saw it in the morning and I was like, hey, thanks. I'll read this later. Like we have that kind of friendship. You know, if they see something that I might find interesting, they'll send it to me. Or if I hear something or see something that, you know, a client and I were talking about, yeah, I might shoot them a text, like check this out. Yeah. So I guess technically crossing the line. I don't know. Whatever. It's all good. I'm curious though, because you, you know who you are. You're comfortable in your skin. You walk to the beat of your own drum. If you weren't in fitness and you weren't in massage, what the hell would you be doing? Not a clue. I have no idea. (laughs) Honestly, I have no idea. I'd be a definitely not a blogger because I don't like writing because that involves technology. (laughs) I'd be doing something where I travel because I travel the world. I enjoy traveling more than anything. Yeah. Um, Unless I could play professional soccer right now, which I don't think I'm in shape to, (laughs) it would be something travel related, I think. But honestly, I I have no idea. I love what I do more than anything. I've never really... You can tell, man. You can tell. Yeah, I'm passionate about it. I enjoy it. And I mean, you guys know when you have people who come to you who are in pain or who are kind of just down and out and you're that... You can get rid of their pain. You can uplift them. They come in a little bit, you know, miserable and they leave feeling amazing. Mm-hmm. There's no better feeling than that. Mm. It's it's so rewarding. So I'm with you. I love what I do. And, and that and the opportunity, there's always more to learn. I've been learning for 15 years plus the two I was in school and I feel like I know nothing. You know, it's like the more you learn, the less you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I yeah, feel yeah, like yeah. the more I learn, I'm like, wow, I really don't know much. <laughs> <laughs> I met that I met that that master that I see uh, the the monk and I'm like I don't know anything man yeah. I'm like I'll just start from scratch go back to school or something I think at least once a day Mark says well what do I know what do I how many times on this said, episode like three have times you said- <laughs> in this past hour <laughs> that is the cool thing though is I I was saying to Mark last night I feel like through the podcast I've come a full circle we started out and we're interviewing all these really interesting people and all of these therapists who do cool shit and who have add-ons to their practice and stuff I know nothing about and it started to make me feel like oh shit like am I a good therapist at all like listen like listening to all these people but it it took me in this full circle of like okay I I know what's out there. I know all these different things. And I came back to realizing I am a fucking good therapist. I'm good at what I do. And I know what I know. And I know that there's a ton of shit I don't know. And I think that's what makes me good is I can be like, 
I don't know. I'm going to try what I do know. And I'm perfectly happy to say, but I can find somebody for you that can, that can deal with this. And yeah, so I went through a serious phase of like, oh my God, like, what have I been doing for the last eight, nine years? Do I have any fucking clue how to treat people? And now I'm back to, yeah, I know what I'm doing. I, I think that's the mark of a good therapist though, because those same therapists that you were listening to and you were saying like, man, do I, I don't know anything. They're probably listening to you when you speak and saying, man, I don't know anything. <laughs> that's what I mentioned. Eric Dalton and Jeff Cavalier and I watched these guys. And I'm like, man, you guys are great. I, I worked with one chiropractor and this guy was brilliant. When I saw him, I felt that way. I felt like I, I don't know anything like next to you. I know nothing. And he came to me one day and he said, like, man, you, you're very good at what you do, man. Like, how do you know so much? And I'm looking at him like, buddy, I think the exact same thing of you. It was <laughs> kind of weird, <laughs> a little bit awkward. <laughs> but it's it's just that respect for people who are really passionate about what they do and, and want to continuously learn more and more and mm -hmm. more. If you have that attitude, you're going to learn so much. And when you're talking to someone who knows so much, it's going to be just an exchange of information and it's, it's really a wonderful thing to meet those people because they're, they're a little bit hard to find. Yeah. You know what I found, uh, something that a lot of the therapists that have come on here have said is that they came out of school and got a mentor. That never even crossed my mind, but that was such an ego thing for me. I was always the student that was kind of like top of the class. Like I was, I was, I pick up things quickly and I would be the person that was sitting in the class that maybe didn't hundred percent understand something, but I wasn't the person to raise my hand and ask a question. I was like, I'm going to figure that shit out and I'm going to do it on my own. And I don't know. I had this horrible ego of like, I can do this all on my own. I can do this all on my own. And then listening to all of these people come on and say they came out of school and got a mentor and they learned all this shit. I was like... Wow, I really was so young and stupid. And now all the people coming in here, all of them have taught me something, even if it's the smallest little thing or at least sparked curiosity for me to go look into something else. So yeah, the podcast teaches me. I don't need to take courses anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I think you already earned like two CEUs. Oh, wait, there's no CEUs. There's no CEUs. <laughs> That's true. I wonder if you could have used these for CEUs. What the hell? This is We're talking about conferring with yeah. peers. All we do is confer with peers for I know. My life is hours. conferring with peers now. <laughs> I mean, the minute I married CEUs. a massage therapist, I think that I had enough mm. CEUs forever. <laughs> we talk way too much off. Yeah. Way too much. Apart from my phone number, I do have another method. I have email. Okay. So people can email. Do you, okay, so why don't you tell everybody you decide what you want to give your phone number, your email, but give people a way if anybody listening wants to reach out to you to either to pick your brain, to maybe do some mentoring with you or come get a treatment. How do they find you? Andre DeKairos at gmail.com. I'm going to have to spell that out, I guess. A-N-D-R-E-D-E-C-A-I-R-O-S at gmail.com. Honestly, don't mind giving out my phone number. I have clients who call me. Uh, my number is 416-707-4532. I love what I do. I love having chats like this. I love talking about health and gathering knowledge from other people. So anybody who has any questions, anyone who wants to contact me, just be like, Hey, I, you know, I sprained my ankle and the doctors say I need surgery. Man, I'm, I'm happy to sit down and chat and chop it up when I have time. Or if they just want to see what you look like. <laughs> like I said, I'm a bachelor. So <laughs> well, thank you so much for coming back to your sort of old hood to hang out with us. Thanks for having me. I'm, I'm honored to be here. I've never, I've had a couple opportunities to do some, some chats, but I'm not, I don't, I don't know. What makes you say no then? 
What made you say no? To I'm those a bit of a nervous wreck when I have a microphone in front of me. Or I know people. So you seem people so listening. comfortable right That's now. That's because I'm in this office. I'm look at me like look at this place. <laughs> <laughs> if we were sitting anywhere else, my voice would start cracking. But no, I just yeah. This is this is great. Thanks for having me out. I appreciate it. Right Thank on. you. Right on. You guys have been listening to two massage therapists in a microphone. Peace.